This is Live La Bella Vita with your host, Don Catherine. If you're looking to know all the latest beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. Do you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense? This is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita on Toginet with Don Catherine. If you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes from the vine to the bottle, if you love Italian food and want to learn Nana's recipes, you enjoy travel and want to know the best luxury destinations and resorts, love spending time with La Familia, does your business or passion allow you to live La Bella Vita? Let's find out. All that and a little more with an Italian flair. This is Live La Bella Vita on Togina.com. And now, here's your host, Don Catherine. And welcome, Danu Vido, and welcome to La Bella Vita Show. I'm Don Catherine, your hostess with the mostess, and I hope that you have poured a big-ass glass of wine and are ready for another great show tonight. Um, if you're listening to me live, thanks for joining me this evening. If you are listening to me on a podcast, thanks for downloading. You know, you can go to toganet.com, go to my show page, La Bella Vita, and you can download any of my shows, as well as heading over to a good old Apple iTunes, put in the name of the show, La Bella Vita, or you can go ahead and put my name in, search, and uh, my show will pop up and you can subscribe for free. And uh, that way you can uh, listen to me whenever you're doing whatever. Um, so what's going on in the world? Okay, so as you all know, last week I was in full Pope mania. And now I'm in Pope Francis post-America blues because I miss my Pope. Um, it was so nice, honestly, just for a few days to like have like such positivity on all of the cable channels. It seemed like everybody was in a good mood. Everybody was so excited to see the Pope. He was kissing babies and it just was so full of love. And now it's like he literally the door closed to his plane so he could go back to Rome and back to the Vatican, and it's like business as usual, and I find that quite sad. <laughs> but um, I thoroughly enjoyed the Pope being here. I wish that I was able to get up, uh, you know, in New York or one of those that was bad planning on my part. But I'm looking forward to perhaps next year seeing him when I'm over in Italy, and uh, hopefully I will get a chance to see him. So I hope that you all enjoyed the Pope and his messages of love and tolerance for all and to just be kind to each other. And I hope that he made you want to be a better person because I know he made me want to be a better person and uh, to do nice things for people as often as you possibly can. And uh, so I hope that the good Pope Juju keeps on us just for a, as long as possible, I guess is what I want to say. Um so that was fun. Um, of course, you know, I'm a huge fashionista and I do love me some Ralph Lauren. And uh, I was not so shocked to hear that he stepped down as CEO of his company. He's retiring. And I just have to say, Ralph Lauren, you have some of the most exquisite taste on this planet. Um, I sleep exclusively in Ralph Lauren sheets. I love them to death. Um, and uh, so, you know, he's going to still have a hand in the data, you know, the operations of the company, but uh, he's not going to be the CEO anymore. But I just want to say that I think that he um, has really 
contributed to the state of beauty and elegance in this country by his fashions and by his home luxury line. So for that, I thank him. I know that it might be interesting for you all to know that I actually am a NASCAR fan. So um, another retirement that was confirmed today that was kind of disheartening for me was my favorite driver is retiring. And I, I don't even know if I can be a fan anymore because he's the only one I really, really liked, and that was Tony Stewart. He is retiring after next season. So I guess my affinity with uh, watching a few races here and there are going to be over because there's nobody else that I really like all that much that uh, I would uh, actually watch the NASCAR races for. Of course, the fact that he was totally adorable didn't help either. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's probably the only reason why I watched Tony Stewart. Anyway, uh, so he's retiring, and uh, so that's good. But one person who I can tell you is not going to be retiring anytime soon is my boy Tom Brady. Bam! 400 touchdown passes only the fourth quarterback in NFL history to do so. Um, we're on a revenge tour 2015-2016. You people, I'm telling you, he is out for blood. We're off this week. It's a, our bye week, and uh, we're 0-3. And, and uh, I think that uh, it's going to be one of those seasons where we are definitely going to win the AFC East. I think that we are going to kill in the playoffs and I really think that if we play the way that we're playing now and everybody stays healthy we will be in the Super Bowl again and we will have our fifth ring and that would make me really really happy because y'all know I love my Tom Brady and my Danny Amadola who I just want to say if you go to patriots.com they always post these little videos of them after the game and they show Robert Kraft thanking the guys, high-fiving the guys as they come off the field. And I swear to God, everybody else is dressed except Danny Amadola, who always has a shirt off, and I have to say, it's not a bad thing to look at. He is my crush on the Patriots. I mean, I love my Tom Brady because he's just the best quarterback that ever lived, but my heart belongs to Danny Amadola. He is totally adorable. Girls, if you don't know who he is, you need to Google him. And then after that, Google Rob Kronkowski because he's totally adorable as well. So there you have it. Um, I'm in full out, full out shows right now. Everything came back last week. My favorite show, Scandal, Grays, um, The Amazing Race, Survivor, they all came back last week. I swear to God, my, my BC... The uh, DVR is about to explode. I actually almost said VCR. God, am I aging myself? My DVR is seriously going to implode at any moment because I have so much stuff, so many new shows that I have yet to even to uh, watch. But the one show that I did watch, and I've watched every episode, and I'm telling you, if you're not watching it, you best go to your DVR immediately and start to record it, and that would be Neil Patrick Harris in Best Time Ever. It is totally epic. It is so much fun. The show is live. They just do all these great things. It's like, I can't even explain it. It's like the price is right, and a variety 
show. It's just craziness. It's so much fun, all rolled in one. So if you're not watching it, you have got to watch it. Go watch it on demand. It's hilariously funny. I swear to God, I smile from the beginning to the end, and uh, it's just a really good time, so go watch it. Uh, for my friends over in Italia, guess what, people? Netflix is finally coming to Italy, which is actually good for us who actually go over to Italy, because a lot of times when you travel abroad and you try to go on Hulu or Netflix, even know that you're a subscriber, it will block you because you're in a different country, which is unfortunate. So I'm really happy that Netflix is coming to Italy. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm one of those people who always talks about going out 24-7 when you're on vacation, especially when you are over in Italy, you should not be in your hotel room. But there are times when you're on trains or whatever, and they have Wi-Fi that you might want to partake and watch in some shows so it'll be awesome that you're going to be able to do that um so cool for that uh there's lots going on actually uh in rome and uh there's some really good news coming out of um Rome, uh, there's going to be a new aquarium that's coming. Uh, they will have an aquarium. Technical problems that have prevented this in the past have overcome definitively. Work has started again as Romans with in a few months, as well as tourists, will have another dazzling attractions. Uh, the Sea Life Roma Aquarium is due to be open in the spring next to the artificial lake in the center of the Martin EUR district in the south of the capital. It will play host to as many as 5,000 marine creatures belonging to more than 100 species who will swim in 30 themed tanks filled with more than 1 million liters of water. Tortoises, shocks, uh, jellyfish, rays, and Seahorses will be the big draw for visitors who thinks to a futuristic underwater tunnel will be able to observe from 360 degrees, a first for Italy, finding themselves immersed in a spectacular interactive marine universe. So very exciting. So it's going to be something a little bit different. So my incantatos, what has me spellbound, you know, every week I do this, uh, my fashion icon has got to go to our first lady of the United States, Miss Michelle Obama, who... Like, seriously, I am giving that we are not worthy right now because she just slayed it. I mean, slayed it like a dragon in a Vera Wang at the China State Dinner the other night. It was black off the shoulder mermaid gown. Um, it was fitted with sheer sleeves. Uh, it skimmed the floor, and it had this two flounce. I mean, she just looks stunning. And, like, and of course, you know, she's got Barack on his arm, and he's not a bad-looking dude. So but the two of them just look so adorably beautiful together. I was <laughs> – it was one of those times where, like, like, they literally took my breath away, and I'm like, damn, we are so lucky that we have, like – a really beautiful first couple in the White House right now. They look slamming. Um, so there is that. Um, and, uh, of course, we have my wine pick, um, and that is um, the... Planita Santa Cecilia Nero Davila, and uh, it's basically a really beautiful, full-bodied, full-bodied um, wine. It has hints of cherries and pepper and licorice, and uh, it's just a nice, full-bodied wine. I think you will enjoy it, so check that out. It's a 2010 Planita Santa Cecilia Nero Diablo. Uh, so I think you like that. Did I say Diablo? I'm thinking like a, it's Davila. 
<laughs> so I think you should check that wine out. When we come back, what are we going to be talking about on the show today? We are going to be talking about all sorts of different things, um, different things that are around the world. Um, if you're looking to find out about uh, different chapels with different artists, um, different uh, reliquies that you can look all over the world. I think I, in honor of the Pope, we're going to do some things. So if you want to take some time and uh, do some different things on your trip, little side trips, this is what we're going to be talking about. So these will be all over the world. Some happen to be in Italy, but some are in the other parts of the world as well. So uh, lots of good information. Uh, we have reliquies. Uh, different ones uh, out of New York. Uh, you have different things that are, are just amazing. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about that and so much more. Um, and hey, there's going to be a Vatican train ride, this new thing. We're going to talk about that when we come on back on the other side of break. Stone Catherine, it's La Bella Vita Show. La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. This is God in Country. The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. It's Did you know that having one hand in your pocket is considered arrogant in Turkey? My husband and I felt like goostrum noodles when this was pointed out to us while we were visiting in Istanbul. A goostrum noodle is a foolish person. What is seen as common behavior in one country is frequently considered bad manners or rude in another country. For example, while most Americans sit in the back seat of a taxi, in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Scotland, and the Netherlands, to sit in the back of the cab when the front passenger seat is available is considered rude. In Japan and South Korea, tipping is seen as an insult. And in China and India, it is considered greedy to tear into a gift in front of the giver. What's another word for a person with bad manners? A snirt. It's 
I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And from thence, I had great desire to see Italy, and came to Venice, and from thence to Florence, where I played before the Duke, and got great favors. If it's good enough for Sting, it's good enough for us. This is Live La Bella Vita on Toginet. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. It's Live La Bella Vita, all with an Italian flair. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. It's Live La Bella Vita, and here again is your host, Don Catherine. Hey, welcome back. It's John Catherine. It's the Bella Vita Show, and I am so happy that you're here. Uh, so things don't come more Da Vinci Code than a ride on the Pope's Railway, the centerpiece of a new tour launched by the Vatican Museums this month. The train departs the Vatican City's private railway station, a marble building in the shadow of St. Peter's Basilica, on a stretch of track that originates in a tunnel dug into the hillside beneath the Vatican Gardens. It travels along the 300-meter Vatican railway line, the shortest in the world, into Rome, then rumbles on to the Pope's sumptuous Castle Gandolfo Summer Palace and the Alban Hills south of Italy. This day-long excursion combines existing tours of the Vatican Museum and Gardens with a tour of the grounds of the Castle, Castle Gandolfo. And for the first time, the locations are linked by a ride on the Papal Railway at $40 Euro per person. It's also the cheapest way to explore the papal properties, a guided tour of the museums and the gardens in the Vatican alone costs 32 euros, so it's quite the deal. Um, the guided walk through the Vatican gardens that follows is the perfect antidote to the rammed museums, who are always jam-packed. It meanders between fountains and grottoes, past the monastery where the retired Pope Benedict lives, and onto Stazione Vaticana, the city's only station. Um, the first two hours are unchaperoned, so my recommendation would be to avoid the Sistine Chapel cattle run and visit the quiet contemporary religious art galleries, which include works by Dolly and Matisse. Of course, make sure that you do make time to go see the Sistine at some point, but do that later on. Um, the train ordinary, ordinary Trent Italia rolling stock, sadly, not the papal steam train. That would be really cool to be able to go on the papal steam train. <laughs> but it takes about an hour to reach the town of Albano, Lazali. And uh, where a shuttle bus takes passengers to the Summer Palace, a separate tour of the palace interior is available at extra cost. Tourism in the towns around the palace suffered when Pope Francis decided not to spend his summer there, and this decision to open it to the public has been interpreted as some by a helping hand. The tour of the grounds aboard a tiny land train is revelatory, and uh, formal gardens are interrupted by fields of alfalfa grazed by the cows that provide milk to the Vatican. Roman ruins, including a theater built for the Emperor Domitian in the first century AD, jut out from behind fragrant trees. Back um, the train, uh, back in Albano Lizzi Alley, uh, 
at 5.18 p.m. is when the train is last trained back to San Pietro, a station just outside the Vatican walls. A stroll to St. Peter's Square, where the high walls obscure the gardens in the Basilica, hides the 60-meter Vatican Hill, making for a tantalizing end to a fascinating day. So I think this is really cool. If you want to be able to see both of these at the same time, the $8 difference, I think, is a really cool thing to be able to take the train. So instead of, like, St. Peter's maybe being just, if you're going to visit the Vatican and obviously the museums. Um, you know, this is something that if you've been to the museums before and you want to go back but you want to do something a little bit different, I think this train ride is a really great uh, option for you. So uh, you can um, actually, the only day that it runs is on Saturdays, and um, it, it starts at 8 a.m., so you got to get up early. Um, but just if you go to the Vatican um, website um, there's information there for you to find out about the train ride but I think it's quite cool uh, if you are a fan as I am of Raphael uh, in Turin uh, there is an exhibit opening at the Venaria Museum near Turin exploring the Renaissance painter Raphael's extraordinary influence on decorative arts and it opened its doors last Thursday nine original works by Raphael and 130 pieces of decorative arts reflecting his legacy are on show at the exhibition Raffaello Sole del Arte Raphael Son of the Arts which will remain open until January 24th so hopefully you are going to be traveling within that time frame. Raphael's paintings inspired a rich production of tapestries, glasswork, engravings, ceramics, silver and gold, which saw his influence carried on through techniques used even after his death. The show, curated by Gabrielle Baruca and Silvia Perino, along with a scientific committee chaired by Vatican Museum Director Antonio I would love to have a conversation with that man. Uh, was inspired by the restoration of a tapestry, the Miraculous Catch, located at the museum. The 1520 tapestry depicts the famous episode in the New Testament in which Jesus instructs the Apostle Peter to cast his net one last time, an effort that yields an enormous haul of fish after previously fruitless night of effort. The tapestry was woven in Brussels based on designs made by Raffaello for frescoes in the Sistine Chapel. The mock-ups now belong to uh, the Tesora della Santa Casa di Loreto. The first kernel of the idea for the exhibit was to compare five different tapestries available using the same subject, one of which was provided by the Royal Palace of Madrid. From there, the idea was expanded to illustrate Raphael's wider influence throughout the decorative arts, both during and after his life, but the five tapestry appears in a coup de theater at the end of the exhibit. A paradynamic example is the painting the vision of Ezekiel on loan from the Pitti Palace. It was copied in a drawing by Rubens and in a tapestry for the canopy of the Pope, bed for the Pope Leo. This is the element that permitted Raphael to arrive to us as the artist who revolutionized Western figurative imagery. A matter that, along with the theme of duplicates, arrives all the way to the art of today. Uh, fans of Raphael will be struck by the first room where his original works are gathered along with some by his father, Giovanni Santi, who died when Raphael was just 11 years old. Santi opened the doors of Ducal Palace in Urbino to his son by introducing him to the great Renaissance masters. One of the nine works to be shown, Angel, uh, is on display in Brescia, but will join the exhibition at the end of the Milan Expo this year. And uh, I think that uh, if you are going to be uh, in that area, if you're going to be going to train, you definitely should check this out. Raphael is 
by far one of my favorite painters. He was one of the most amazing uh, Renaissance painters uh, of his time. So I think it's definitely something that you should check out for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, the fashion weeks, I know that I really didn't say I was going to be talking about fashion, but I have to tell you a little bit uh, about Giorgio Armani. And of course, uh, the, all the fashion weeks in Milan closed this past week. And uh, I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what was going on and what we might see. I know that we've talked a little bit about it before, but Giorgio Armani has closed Milan Fashion Week by unveiling both his spring and summer 2016 ready-to-wear collection and his first autobiography, a giant tome on the four decades in which he became a guiding light of fashion and tracing the history of his company, which grew from a small startup in the mid-70s to a group with revenue of 2.5 billion euros in 2014. It's crazy. Armani said he created his own brand of subtle but strong revolution, subverting the rules of previous decades. He had his women step out in flat shoes at all times, gala evenings included, and provided them that they could not only act, but also dress like men in the boardroom, although, albeit with femininity and grace. This reflective mood reverberated on the catwalk, where the 81-year-old designer revisited his signature pieces, delivering a collection strong in suits, yet with a subtle sensuality evident in the recurring red touches. Light silhouettes in a pale of uh, palette of red, white and blue featured bolero as long as long tailored jackets over cuff shorts or semi-transparent pleated organza pants. The mood was elegant yet relaxed with striped tops, dresses, and duster coats. I love me a duster. A tailored jacket dazzled with a motif evoking Eastern embroideries. A hint at Armani's recent fling with China. A unique master at flattering a woman's body, Armani Oso. He also showcased a classic white shirt transformed into a loose silk dress worn over a sheer silk slip while a formal floral jumpsuit in bright vermilion conveyed playfulness and elegance in one breath. Evening wear included a short party dresses in a finale of sparkling red carpet numbers with a bunch of underskirts for added impact. Overall, daywear gave a new rendition of Armani's unique brand of luxury with tailored jackets styled over revealing semi-transparent pants or short, a play on contrast that was a reoccurring theme throughout the Milan shows. Effortless, effortless beauty was what many Italian brands sought to deliver as the world as the word for next spring now moves into the final leg of Fashion Month in Paris, cheekiness and innocence, edge and tenderness played each other at Gucci, where Alessandro Michele gave new meaning to geek chic and a fresh new identity to one of Italy's leading fashion houses. Ensembles such as a flowery, flowery blouse over a silk skirt with a oriental motif, a topped with an embroidered parrot over a python skirt and a long dress under a poncho were all renditions of perfect imperfection with the odd mix giving an effortless feel to elegance. Prada mixed different tweeds in one look, debuted classic suits in strong shades and lightened up organza dresses with colorful tops. At Jill Sander, Roberto Paglilunga played with silhouettes, twisting, nodding, and dangling strings. Another look seen across brands, including Massimo Giorgi's MSGM, where chained grunge pants were designed to complement ruffle tops and loose strings dangled from a blue gown. And at Roberto Cavalli, new creative director, my favorite, Peter Dundas, introduced sporty notes for the first time at a brand noted for its unapologetic glitz with long draped gowns mixed with shorts, booties, and sweatshirts styled with a ball skirt. So, awesome. Uh, 
Stripes, horizontal, vertical, bold, or subtle were also featured, so you'll see that. Um, uh, and a lot of knit tunic tops, so you're still seeing this whole bohemian uh, 70s throwback. So you're going to see that for you've seen it this fall. You're still going to see it in 2016 for spring. So I think it's going to be a really great season coming up. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about all different things. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. Stone Catherine, it's the Bella Vita Show. is Live La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. What is going on? Whatever do you mean, dear? Why have you taken me to our special place to eat? Sweetheart, I took you to El Charo on the Ridge tonight because I know you love it. And I wanted this meal to be the very best. Oh, honey, those fajitas smell divine. I know, my dear. Everything about El Charo on the Ridge is wonderful, just like everything about you. Oh, my sweet, sweet man. I can't stand it any longer. Let's take our love of El Charo food and each other to the next level. Marry me, darling. Baby, you don't know how long I've waited for you to ask. Of course. Of course I'll marry you, as long as you promise to take me to El Charo's on the ridge on Old Jacksonville Highway by Brookshire's Fresh. Anytime I want, I'll be yours forever. Como bella c'è la luna, brilla e strette, strette come butto, belle e if you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. All with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. It's Don Catherine. And uh, as I spoke with you earlier, I told you that we were going to be talking about some things about travel. But in honor of the Pope's visit, I'm going to be telling you about some different places that you might want to go when you're in certain destinations that kind of have somewhat of a religious undertone to them. Um, I'm going to be talking about uh, 10 different artist chapels that you might want to go to um, during your travels or in all sorts of different uh, destinations, as well as some mighty sculptures that are all 
all over the world, including some here right in America. Uh, we also have reliquaries that you should check out as well. So I'm just going to get started. Um, and I think that uh, these might be a little bit enlightening to you because some of these are just really cool. Some of the things that you can go and explore and look at. Uh, many have found creative inspiration in religion. Here are some fine examples of chapels closely associated with its artists. Uh, these are 10 different artist chapels that are around the world. We're going to start with the Beth Shalom Synagogue, which is actually right here in the United States at Elkins Park in Pennsylvania. In the 1950s, Frank Lloyd Wright planned this as the first truly American synagogue. Studying its design with Jewish emblems, its overall shape represents a mountain as well as ancient tent tabernacles and Native American teepees. The translucent materials he used in the walls allow light to flood in during the day and at night from outside the building glows. In Wright's words, like a luminous Mount Sinai. Um, just so if you want to go, planning services take place daily. Reservations are advisable for a tour of the building. Um, and you can go to bethshalomcongregation.org to check out that information. Um, the Chapel of the Tsars in Moscow, Russia. Early 16th century frescoes once lined the walls of the small, richly adorned chapel in the Annunciation Cathedral. But the great glory is the multi-tiered Ignokonosis. It's a screen covered with icons by Russia's leading iconographers. It includes St. John the Baptist and Archangel Gabriel and Rublev's St. Michael of the Archangel all glow like gems. The Kremlin is closed on Thursday, but you can go to the Kremlin.ru slash English to get information about going to see the Chapel of the Tsars. Uh, the Church of St. Sebastian in Venice, Italy. Wow, one of my favorite places in the world. Canvases of frescoes and frescoes by 16th century Venetian Paolo Veronese covered the sacristy ceiling, the ceiling of upper walls, and the nave, the organ doors, and the chancel, colorful and alive with drama, they depict St. Sebastian's life in scenes from the Bible. If you're going to plan to go, the chorus pass covers entry into St. Sebastian and 14 other Venetian churches. Buy it at any one of them at chorusvenezia.org. Check that out. They have all the information. Of course, one of my favorites is the Arena Chapel in Padua, Italy. This small chapel has a marvel of Renaissance art, a series of 14th century Giotto frescoes, the two narrative cycles of the life of Christ and of the Virgin fill both sidewalks, sidewalls. The chapel is full of color from the deep blue ceiling and the trompe de loe uh, and marble on the walls to the vibrant frescoes. The emotional realism of the figures is engaging. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. They did a, free, a full rehab of the chapel just a few years ago, and it took it from being kind of somewhat dingy from years of candles burning and whatnot. Um, and it really has come back to life. So you can uh, make reservations, absolutely. Uh, they are absolutely required, and you can go to capelladescrivani.it. So just uh, look up the Arena Chapel in Padua, and it will lead you to a website that will take you there. Of course, everybody knows about the Sistine Chapel in Vatican City. We just talked about it a little bit earlier. In the Pope's residence, the Sistine Chapel's vast high ceilings teams with Michelangelo's epic figures, 343 in all, which... 
he painted almost single-handedly in 1508 to 09 and 1511 to 1512, depicting Old Testament scenes, especially the story of Genesis. The image includes the famed image of God giving Adam life. Above the altar is Michelangelo's thronged in terrifying vision at the Last Judgment, completed in 1541. If you're going to go to the Sistine Chapel, the chapel is open Monday through Saturday and on the last Sunday of most months. You can go to the Vatican.va to find out all of the different um, options that you can get for tickets and whatnot. So check that out. San Antonio de Florida Hermitage in Madrid, Spain. Just inside the entrance of the former Royal Chapel is Francesco de Goya's tomb encircled on the upper walls by a series of Goya's own frescoes telling the story of a miracle by St. Anthony. In 1928, to protect them from damage from candle smoke and incense burning, an identical chapel was added alongside where services take place. The chapel is on Paseo de la Florida. The nearest metro is Principe Pio. Opening times are Tuesdays through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 4 to 8 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can go to Spain.info for information about San Antonio de la Florida Hermitage in Madrid. Uh, the Chapel of the Roman Missouri, which is also... Uh, a beautiful place in Vence, France. Every aspect of this tranquil chapel, the building, the stained glass windows, the decor, and even the priest robes was the work of Henri Matisse. Inside the windows cast patterns of yellow, green, blue light signifying the colors of God and light itself, of nature and of the sky. Across the floor in the ceramic tile murals on the walls, bringing the natural world into the cool white interior. If you're planning to go, the chapel is a five to ten minute walk from the center of um, Vence near Nice. It is open on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 to 11.30 a.m. and 2.30 to 5.30 p.m. Longer times are had in the summertime, but it is closed in November, and uh, you can go and check out um, their other information by going to the Chapel of Rosary uh, website. Um, also, let's see, uh, we have the Rothko Chapel, which is located in our state right here in Houston, Texas. In the uh, 1960s, John and Dominique Del Menel hired abstract expressionist painter Mark Rothko to create a meditative space. The result is in octagonal room housing eight large paintings mainly in the shades of black and subtle variations in dark blues, plums, and reds. Images seeming to shimmer on the walls inspire visitors, visitors to ponder the nature of reality. This chapel is open from 10 to 6 p.m. Saturday through Tuesday and 10 to 7 on Wednesday through Friday. You can go to the rothcochapel.org for more information. Uh, the Chapelle Saint-Pierre in Villefranche in France, the flamboyant chalk drawings tracing the life of St. Peter, patron saint of fishermen, cover the inside of this tiny 14th century chapel in the fishing village of Villa France. There are the work of film director Jean Coutal, who in 1957 began the chapel's renovation. He modeled the murals on local people in villages. Uh, and you can go, it's three miles from the harbor. 
because most people who are going to Villa France are going into uh, our dock there by boat because a lot of uh, cruise lines actually go into Villa France. So uh, they dock there. Of course, it's right next to Monte Carlo, and uh, they go there as well. But it's definitely a place to definitely work worth for you to go and see. So those are some of the 10 artist chapels uh, that you should go and see. I'm going to put a list up of them on my show page. Uh, we're going to go on to some of the reliquies because I think they are, as you know, sacred objects to small but elaborately decorated jewel boxes. Reliquies hold the holy of the holies, uh, especially if you're Catholic like me. We have lots of reliquies in the Catholic faith. Every place you go in Italy, every church needs to have a reliquary to uh, stay in power. And that's how actually the churches stayed in power back in the day and was to uh, have these reliquies so that they it was, it was a source of power for them back in the day. Um, so they're all over the world. And we're going to start with the Iron Crown of Lombardy in Monza, Italy. Both the 8th century Emperor Charlemagne and Napoleon were crowned with a slender band of plain iron and set with a jewel crown beaten from a nail alleged to come from the true cross. Here you go. The band is only a fourth of an inch thick enough for two emperors to establish their connection to Christ. The cathedral where the crown is housed is in Monza, just north of Milan. You can go to hellomilan.it to find out how you can go and check out this reliquary. Uh, the Santa Croce in Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, Rome, Italy. In AD 320, St. Helia, the mother of Rome's first Christian emperor, Constantine, founded the Basilica of Santa Croce to house relics she brought back from the Holy Land. She went to find the cross on which Jesus was crucified and brought back three fragments and a nail which she believed to be part of the true cross, as well as thorns said to be from Jesus' crown. Um, and you can go and find out. I've actually visited Santa Croce. I've been there myself. You can go and find out more information at basilicasantacroce.com. And don't miss the beautiful vegetable garden in the adjoining monastery. It's quite beautiful. Uh, let's see. The uh, Let's see. Here we go. Okay. The Abbey of St. Foy in uh, France. Once in the rival Egan Monastery, the relics of St. Foy were spirited to the conquest in AD 866 by a jealous monk. The monks built a golden reliquary in the shape of a three feet high, heavily jeweled, seated figure to the house of stolen goods. Uh, this church and the Treasury Museum are open daily. You can go by and uh, check out their website. The Capella del Sindon in Turin Cathedral in Italy, the Turin Shroud, which bears a faint outline of a man's face believed to be sung by, uh, to be the burial cloth of Jesus Christ. A replica is in the church. The shroud itself is now preserved in a climate control case built by an aerospace company. The church's museum holds earlier reliquies such as a 15th century velvet-lined box adorned with silver nails. The shroud itself will not be exhibited again until 2025. Um, so go and check it out, although I don't believe this information that I got. Oh, we're going to break. We'll see you on the other side. Amen. 
know, he just might. This is Live La Bella Vita. Stay with us to learn more about the latest beauty tricks of the trade and latest fashion trends before anybody else. We'll be back with more Live La Bella Vita right after these on Toginet.com. Bésame, bésame mucho. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Back pain can really be a bother. Men's Health Magazine states that 80% of all men suffer from back pain. One of the best things you can do to ward off lower back problems is strengthen your abdominal muscles. 75% of all lower back problems can be prevented by building your ab muscles. When your abs are weak, the muscles in your buttocks and the back of your legs, your hamstrings, have to work harder to keep your spine stable. One of the easiest abdominal exercises is crunches. Keep your low back on the floor at all times. Squeeze your abdominals as you crunch up and lower slowly in a controlled manner. You can do several sets of crunches every day to strengthen your abs and beat back pain. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. If you love Italian food, you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, you love travel and luxury destinations and resorts, this is your show. All with an Italian flair. It's Live La Bella Vita. Now, let's get back to the show on Toginet. And here again is your host, Don Catherine. And welcome back. It's Don Catherine. And, of course... I am kind of trying to take in some of the juju from the Pope, and I was kind of thinking about some different places that you could go to kind of experience a little bit of the uh, different kind of uh, places that would make you feel somewhat zen-like. And uh, religious orders have long sought the peace of mountaintop retreats, which lie far above earthly bustle and closer to the gods. So I'm going to tell you about some monasteries that you can visit, maybe when you're in your travels, and maybe you could get some, some kind of zen going on and some peace, whatever your religion may be. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic, if you are Buddhist, or if whatever it may be. Everybody should find a little peace and uh, relaxation when they are traveling. So if you happen to be in Greece, you can go to the Meteora Monasteries. Monks first took refuge on these cliff tops from an invading Turkish army in AD 935 and built 24 monasteries in the centuries that followed. All the building materials had to be carried on their backs 
or winched up in baskets. Today, you can climb a trail or ride up in a cable car to visit the six surviving Greek Orthodox monasteries. Uh, the monastery is the largest, highest, and best preserved. Visit in spring or fall to avoid the baking heat of summer. The nearest large town is uh, Thessaloniki, which I know I totally ripped, and my friend who's Greek probably just, like, died by that horrific, horrific pronunciation. Um, Anyway, um, which can be reached by train from Athens. See, I got Athens. That's where he lives. Five of the monasteries are open to visitors, but only three are still in the use. And you can go to greasetravel.com to find out more information about the monasteries there. Of course, you can go to the great St. Bernard Hospice in Switzerland. For almost a thousand years, monks have lived at the hospice at great St. Bernard. Pass on the Swiss-Italian border. Once the only north-south route through Europe for hundreds of miles, its Augustine friars became famous for their ministrations for travelers. Their rescue missions were added by St. Bernard dogs. Uh, the hospice in the above town is in Matjini. It is still a functioning religious community and still offers accommodations. You can go to myswitzerland.com. How cool would that be to stay there? And, you know, wouldn't it not be adorable to see, like, a St. Bernard like they did back in the day? I think it was so much fun. Uh, the Rilla Monastery in Bulgaria in the 10th century, the Hermite John, Hermit John of Rilla found, founded the imposing Orthodox Rilla Monastery in the valley of the Rilska River. It's now famed for its elegant cloisters and impressive murals. The hermit, hermit's relics are still here, exhibited in the church to which was built by his followers. You can visit the monastery museum and take a look at the intricately carved Raphael's cross. You can go and find out more information at bulgariamonasteria.com. Of course, Right here in New York, Zen Mountain Monastery, living in a forecast preserve high up in the Catskill Mountains, this striking four-story monastery of bluestone and oak is the home of mountain and river order of the Zen Buddhist. It offers weekends or longer residential retreats for those wishing to deepen their practice in tranquil surroundings. I think I should go there. The Zen Mountain Monastery also offers tours of the grounds on select Saturdays. It lies about two point two and a half hours by car or three hours by bus from New York City. You can find out more information by going to www.mro.org. And uh, I think that would be a really great place to go if you're looking to get your son on, if you need to be centered and get away from it all. If you're trying to write, I think it would be great. Okay, so there is also the Copen Monastery in Nepal. Copen Hill soars high above the nice rice patties on the outskirts of Kathmandu, and here beside the iconic Bodhi tree, children as young as seven flock from the Himalayan kingdoms to study the precepts of Buddhism. Western visitors, too, to come to learn from the spiritual example of the monastery's 360 resident monks. If you're planning to go, the Copen Monastery is about nine miles from Kathmandu. It offers 10-day courses or longer retreats. You can go to uh, Copen slash monastery.com for more information. Uh, there's also the uh, Sinala Monastery in Romania. Prince Mihai Cantazino founded this Orthodox monastery in 1690 after a pilgrimage to Mount Sinai. Its bricks are said to incorporate stone from the Holy Land. Today it's home to a group of elderly monks. It was 
has a lovely location and a 19th century church that is a full royal associations. The Sinala is a is in Provo County, about 75 miles from Bucharest, um, and you can go to welcometoromania.ro to find out uh, more about that. Um, also, you can go to um, the Andiques Monastery in Germany on the Holy Mountain above Bavaria's Lake Emersee. Since the Benedictine uh, Monastery, where monks have been here brewing beer since the Middle Ages. Today, the brewery is full-fledged commercial business with uh, a brewery pub in a restaurant that serves up Bavarian specialties. So to me, this is like a twofer. A, you get to have a little bit of peace and quiet of being in a monastery, and then you get to get your beer on, which I'm not a beer lover, but if you're a beer lover, I mean, come on, how good is that? Guided tours of the monastery, brewery, and the church are available, and the public is well, welcome to attend services. This restaurant is uh, open from 10 a.m. to 11 p.m., and uh, you can go to andechs.de to uh, find out some more information about that. Um, of course, there is... Uh, founded in 1477 by Gendon Drup, the first Dalai Lama. The monastery, it mean, names mean heap of glory, has been the seat of the Pinkin Lama for hundreds of years. The monks welcome visitors who gaze in awe of the 86-foot gilded Buddha adorned with diamonds, pearls, amber corals, and other precious jewels. So the uh, it is open to visitors daily. The monastery is open on the western side of the city, and it can be reached by foot or pedicab. You can go to travelchinaguide.com to go visit. It's on the China-Tibet line, so you can check that out. Um, I think it's kind of cool that uh, you get to go to the to a monastery started by the first Dalai Lama. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Of course, if you're making it to India, you might want to check out the Laika monasteries. Rich in religious life and heritage, the Buddhist monasteries or Gumpa uh, perch perilously on rocky outcrops and cling to craggy mountainsides. Each is different. Hermes is the largest and holds a colorful festival every summer, while Thuski is famous for its vast art collection. The different Goompas have varying opening hours and entry uh, entry fees, so you need to check it out. Um, you can go to L-E-H-L-A-D. A-K-H-I-N-India.com and find out more information about that that particular monastery. Um, yeah, so there you go. I think I said, oh, and then we have the Monastery of St. Juan de la Pina in Spain, uh, or St. John of the Rock, is a medieval gem carved dramatically into a cliff face overlooking the Pyrenees in Spain's uh, province. As the Moorish invaders advanced north from Africa during the Middle Ages, it is said that the Holy Grail was sent there for safekeeping. Today, however, it is the Benedictine's monastery, 12th century Romanesque cloister, engraved with biblical scenes that attracts visitors. It's open to visitors year-round. The monastery is situated near the town of Jaca. You can go to monastery uh, com to find out more information on that. Uh, and if you're looking for some gardens, if you're type of person who likes to go to gardens to relax, I know it's a very uh, something that uh, we don't often do here, but we really should. But there's a couple that I think that you should check out. Um, of course, some of the most beautiful 
sacred gardens uh, are in Kyoto, Japan, but there is one that is well noted in, a, in these states. Uh, these quiet places of contemplation offer a welcome reprieve from the distraction and stress of modern life. Uh, Mount St. Uh, Sepular Monastery in Washington, D.C. When the political world becomes too profane, find an antidote in this peaceful monastic garden set in the midst of urban Washington, D.C. Wander around the beautiful rosary portico with its 15 chapels dedicated to lives of Jesus and Mary, or take the rising path through trees and flowers and seek out the full scape full-scale replica of the Grotto of Lourdes. The grounds are open daily from 10 to 5 p.m. Don't miss the eerie catacombs and the monastery crypt. You can go to myfranciscan.org to find out more information about that. Of course, the Japanese tea gardens in San Fran, California is also another place that you would want to check out. This beloved project of Makoto Higawara, who lived at the landscaped landscaped it from 1895 to 1925. This verdant garden is Golden Gate Park, has a history progressing through war, prejudice, and exile to peace. After Hagrawar's death, his family carried on the, as the garden, guardian, garden's guardians, though it fell into neglect during World War II when the U.S. interned them as Japanese-Americans. Enjoy a meditative brew at the beautiful tea house, open daily. You can go to jgarden.org for more information. So check out the Japanese tea gardens in San Francisco. I think you will enjoy it. I really do. Uh, so I hope that you enjoyed some of this, but I hope, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed about the Pope's visit is that I think that I really need to take some time to really take a little bit more time to be a little bit more centered and uh, a little bit more peaceful. So I think that uh, if you're traveling and you want to find peace or if some of these happen to be in your backyard, go check them out and uh, get your Zen on, get your centering on and uh, take a little time to be silent for just a little bit. I think that you might really enjoy it. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking uh, on the show about uh, fall fashion as well as um, some beauty tips. So stay tuned for that and uh, I think that you will get some value out of that for sure because the cold is coming on people and hey I just want to say to all my northeast friends that Hurricane Joaquin is coming for you and uh, they already have enough rain so I'm praying for everybody up there we'll see you on the other side break Son Catherine's La Bella Vida ciao ciao Thank you for being a part of Living.